Hey, welcome to episode number 60, 60 of More Than Bread. My name is Dan and I'm your host for this podcast, which is focused on the the value of the Word of God for the people of God through the Spirit of God. But don't forget, all the way back in John chapter 1, John describes Jesus as the Word. The Word of God became flesh. In this episode, we're focusing on John 15, and that's part of a unique portion, John 14 through 17, a unique portion of the Gospel of John, one of my favorite chunks of Scripture. It's a longer section of teaching challenge and and encouragement than even Jesus' more famous teaching, which we know as a Sermon on the Mount. John 14 through 17 is a, a conversation that Jesus has with his closest disciples, his core team and friends in the hours before he goes to the cross. So once again, just imagine that you're there with this close-knit community of Jesus' apprentices. You're walking through a vineyard. It's evening, and, and you don't know it, but Jesus is sharing his last words before the cross. But they aren't last words. They're more like a new beginning words, commencement words. This is Coach Jesus giving the locker room talk of his life. And to set the stage before we dive into John 15, let me just remind us of the value of these words. The Word, the book. In his book, The Gift of the Jews, author Thomas Cahill asks the question, how did a tribe of desert nomads not only survive, but change the very way the world thought, felt, and acted? What distinguished it from all the other nations that no longer even exist? The answer, Cahill suggests, is the book. Israel had a book. They called it the Tanakh. The sacred writings were called the Tanakh. When you get to the end of it, it's like clearing your throat. It's from three letters. T is for Torah. N is the Hebrew word for the prophets, Nadim. And K stands for Ketujim, which means the, the writings. They were a people of the book. They had a book that told them about the one God, that he is the creator, that he's holy and kind and good and, and powerful. They had a book that for the very first time in the world said that human existence is not just an endless cycle, but that it's a story with a beginning and an end, that it's God's story. They had a book that told people how to live and more importantly, why to live. They had a book that said God had created humanity in his own image, full of potential for beauty and wisdom and, and courage and generosity, but that humanity turned its back on God and the image was marred. They had a book that hinted at the end of the story that this God would come to redeem the brokenness of the world and restore the relationship between God and humanity. Sometimes we wonder about the first disciples' willingness to drop everything and follow Jesus. Well, it's because he was a rabbi, and they were people of the book. If you know anything about Jewish culture and tradition, you know that Moses began the tradition to start every day with words found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. They called it the Shema, which is Hebrew for hear. Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You'll teach them diligently to your kids and, and talk of them when you sit in the house and when you walk in the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, every opportunity will be an opportunity to steep in and talk about and ponder the word. They were a people of the book. And then John, in his gospel, comes along and in essence, he describes Jesus as the book come alive. The word became human, he said, and lived among us as we beheld the glory of God full of grace and truth. In other words, the word of God is the son of God. Jesus is the word of God. It's not 
just about a book. It's about a person. It's not just about knowing the truth. It's about loving the one who is true. It's not just about finding the way to live. It's about finding the author of life. See, John calls us to be a people of the book in love with the word. Keep that in mind as I read John 15 from the New Living Translation. John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus' words, he says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't bear fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. I remember one of the first times that I studied, not one of the first times, one of the more recent times uh, that that I studied this passage, realizing that when, when a branch gets cut off, because Jesus is referring to us in essence as branches, when he says, remain in me. And and when a branch gets cut off because it doesn't produce fruit, it feels an awful lot the same like a branch that, that, that gets pruned because it is producing fruit. Sometimes we go through pruning times, and it's not because Jesus is disappointed because we haven't borne fruit. It's because he sees something great in us, and so he's going to prune so that we can be even more fruitful. You've already been pruned, he says in verse 3, and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. My words, you realize, he says, it's going to be natural if we remain in him, just like a branch stays connected to the vine, there will be fruit. It's not just about being faithful, it's about being fruitful, and we will be fruitful if we stay connected to the vine. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, verse 5. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a, a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you. You can ask for anything you want, and it'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. I've loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Man, there's a, my words, a a powerful statement. Jesus is saying, "I, I love you like the Father loves you, in the same way, to the same extent that the Father loves me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Remain in my love, he says. Remain in my words and remain in my love. Verse 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Again, my words, Jesus is comparing his relationship with his Father to our relationship with Jesus. When we remain in his love, just like he remains in the Father's love, when we obey his commandments, just as he obeys his father's commandments, just as I obey them and remain in his love. Verse 11, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Remaining in his love and remaining in his words brings joy. Yes, your joy will overflow, he says. Verse 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. 
I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. Uh, here's a very interesting um, kind of dichotomy for us today. When we think of uh, the difference between a friend and a slave, a friend is someone who gets to choose whether they do what you want them to do. A slave is somebody who has to do what I tell them to do. But Jesus says, no, that's not the case. If you're my friend, if you love me, you obey my commandments. You do what I ask you to do. The difference in Jesus' team and in his community between a a friend and a slave is 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 the difference of knowledge, of confiding. He says, you're not my slaves because I confide in you. You're my friends. I've told you everything the Father's told me. Verse 16, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And this is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they've seen everything I did, and yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in the scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate. That word in the in the Greek is the word paraclete, and 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 a paraclete was a term used for uh, armies, for for teams in battle. Uh, a paraclete was your your battle buddy, it was the person who had your back, who who watched and made sure that you were okay, that you couldn't get attacked from the other side. Jesus says in verse twenty six, "But I'll send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He'll come to you from the Father and will testify all about me." But you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. So you're walking through the vineyard. Jesus is talking about life and how to find life in the midst of trouble, how to find breakthrough in hard times. And in the space of about five minutes, he uses the word remain at least 10 times. Let that word echo in your mind all through the coming days. The, the Greek word translated remain is the word meno. It it means to take a stand against difficult circumstances, but it was also used to, to refer to relationships, close personal relationships. So maybe the sense of meno is, is to stick close even when it's difficult, to stick close to a friend, to, to hang on to a relationship, to not give up even when it's difficult. So Jesus is walking with his friends and he's thinking about the days to come, stuff that's going to happen that his friends don't comprehend yet. He's thinking about how hard life is going to seem and how confused they might get. He's thinking about the anxiety of not knowing combined with the darkness of grief and depression. He says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Remain in me and you'll produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you, you can ask for anything you want and, and it'll be granted. Remain in my love. 
Not just my words remain in my love. Stick close to my, my heart. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Stick close to me. Let my words stick close to you. Even when it's difficult, even when it gets boring, even when life gets busy, stick so close to me that you're in me. So what does sticking close look like? Well, I would say at first it looks like hanging on his every word. We know that phrase. We, we know what it means. Do we hang on his words? Listen, I use Bible Gateway Online and Version reading plans. I have a dozen or more different translations of the Bible on my Kindle Fire, my computer. And, and even though I gave up my smartphone, I, I've got the New Testament audio downloaded on my flip phone so I can listen to the Bible whenever I want. But do we hang on his every word? Three times when I've read all the way through the Bible, I've highlighted in a different color. So blue, green, and yellow are three different years. I go to Ephesians, and it's so dog-eared and coffee-stained. I can't go to that book without thinking of all the times that, that God has spoken to me through his word. In some places, I've written the names of people on my prayer list in my Bible or, or people I needed to forgive or people I hurt. In other places, it's lines and stars, sometimes a, a thought I wanted to capture because sometimes what God speaks over time is just as important as what he's speaking right now. And if his words are a treasure, I should still remember one. I should have a record of it even decades after I found it, after I heard it. Do you hang on his words? Can you still remember where you were and what he said that first time? Do you do you hang on his words? Are they like life to you? Are, or, or are you running so fast, distracted so deeply that you don't have time to abide, to remain, to steep in God's love and his, listen for his voice? Man, slow down. <laughs> we, we need to hang on his words daily. We need to listen and learn and, and lean deeply into his heart. If we want to remain, we must dive into his love. Remain in my love, Jesus said. And do you see how this is the same, or at least in the same family as let my words remain in you? It's not just about studying the word and gaining knowledge. It's, it's about letting the word increase your capacity to love. In John 59, Jesus stops and, and looks at his disciples. I imagine him looking each one in the face and he says, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you in the same way to the same extent. Couldn't I say in the same measure that Father God loves Jesus, he loves you and me? I mean, imagine Jesus taking a moment to let that sink into the hearts of his friends. Hey, Peter, how much do you think Father loves me? Oh, man, I don't know, Jesus, a lot. I mean, I heard him twice when you were baptized and up on that mountain. He showed up special and, and he spoke. He told us that he loves you. And, and I mean, you created the world together. You talk all the time. You know him. He knows you. I mean, you guys do everything together. Jesus, God the Father, must love you more than all the stars in the sky to infinity and beyond. Well, actually, Peter, <laughs> I imagine Jesus saying with a little bit of a grin on his face, it's a bit more than that. And how much he loves me, that's how much I love you. The authors of the book True Faced write, in essence, God says, what if I take away any element of fear and condemnation, judgment, or rejection? What if I tell them I love them, will always love them, that I love them right now, no matter what they've done, as much as I love my only son? What if I tell them there are no lists, 
I don't keep a log of past offenses of how little they pray, how often they've let me down. What if I tell them they can stop beating themselves up, that they can stop being so formal and stiff and jumpy around me? What if I tell them they have a new nature, that I've put my love, my power, my nature inside of them, that it isn't about their self-effort, but about allowing me to live my life through them? Remain in me, Jesus says. Let my words remain in you. Remain in my love. In other words, hang on to my every word. Tune your ears to hear my voice. Relentlessly respond to my message. If you stick with it, don't give up. You will dive into a life that truly makes a difference. If we lean into his words, uh, relentlessly respond, lean into his commandments, do what he says. You know what it's going to lead to? It'll lead to an overflowing heart filled with love and overflowing with joy. Man, we live in a community that is starving, a world that is starving for love and joy. You live in a neighborhood that, that that's filled with people who are starving for love and joy. Can you imagine what would happen to anxiety disorders, isolation and loneliness if everywhere you turn there was a heart overflowing with joy? And love, and, and I'm not, I'm not diminishing the depth of the darkness that's draining your hope, but I'm also not afraid to magnify the power of the word in com- combination with God's spirit, that the ability of the word in combination with God's spirit to bring about true healing and deep inner change. Well, what kind of breakthrough are you seeking? Perhaps you're seeking a breakthrough in your relationship with God. Listen to verses 13 through 16 again. Jesus says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I told you everything, the Father told me, "You, you didn't choose me, I chose you. See, if if we surrender to his words, he counts you as his friend. And that love that can be no greater, the one that would lead you to lay down your life for your friend, man, that's how he loves you. You are a friend of Christ. You're a friend of Christ. So listen, remain in his words. Never give up on the word of God. You hear what Jesus is saying? Remain in me. Go where I go. Do what I do. Love what I love. Love like I love. And and let my word go deep into your heart, renewing, restoring, redeeming, speaking hopes and dreams into the very depths of your soul. This is what my Father wants. When you bear fruit, when you live your one and only life with an uncommon heart, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given to you. And I, I hear those words and I just can't help but pray. God, would you rend the heavens and come down to live here? God, would you saturate our neighborhoods with your presence? God, would you make every person listening to this a a true force for life, a church without walls that catalyzes an epic release of Jesus' apprentices? God, would you send us into our front yards just to see thousands of neighbors and coworkers and, and family members and friends opening up their hearts to Jesus and and finding their hearts overflowing with peace and love and hope. God, we want to stick close. We want to remain in you. Jesus, we want to remain in you. My goodness, there's so much in John 15. Let me read it again. Just listen to the words as I read it from the message paraphrase. Jesus says, I am the real vine and my father is the farmer. 
He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes, and every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes it back so that it will bear even more fruit. You're already pruned back by the message I've spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you, in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. When when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is. When you produce grapes... When you mature as my disciples, I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. I've kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. And you are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends. Friends. Because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. If you find the godless world is hating you, remember it got its start hating me. If you lived on the world's terms, the world would love you as one of its own. But since I picked you to live on God's terms and no longer on the world's terms, the world is going to hate you. When that happens, remember this. Servants don't get better treatment than their masters. If they beat on me, they'll certainly beat on you. If they did what I told them, they will do what you tell them. They're going to do all these things to you because of the way they treated me. Because they don't know the one who sent me. If I hadn't come and told them all this in plain language, it wouldn't be so bad. As it is, they have no excuse. Hate me. Hate my father. It's all the same. If I hadn't done what I've done among them, works no one has ever done, they wouldn't be to blame. But they saw the God's signs and they hated anyway, both me and my father. Interesting, they have verified the truth of their own scriptures where it is written, they hated me for no good reason. When the friend I plan to send you from the Father comes, a spirit of truth issuing from the Father, he will confirm everything about me. You too, from your side, must give your confirming evidence since you are in this with me from the start. Let me pray for you. Father, I I pray for each and every person listening that we would have a a perseverance, a stick-to-itness, that we would remain with you even when it gets difficult. When it gets busy, when it gets hard, that, God, would you put in our hearts just this this compelling hunger to be connected to Jesus? I pray for each and every person that they would remain in you, Jesus, that they would remain in you. God, would you make each and every person listening to this a true force for life, a, 
a fruit-bearing, world-impacting, neighbor-loving branch connected to the vine of Jesus. God, would you cause us to catalyze an, an epic release of Jesus' apprentices, bringing your fruit all over the world. God, would you send us into our front yard just to see thousands of neighbors and co-workers and family members and friends opening up their hearts to Jesus, that their hearts might be overflowing with the love of Jesus. God, I, I pray for an ability, a, a perseverance, a strength to remain, that we would remain in Jesus' words and that we would remain in his love that we would listen to his words and we would learn from his words and we would lean into his words, that we would lean into his heart, that we would follow his commands. Jesus, thank you so much for causing us to be fruit-bearing branches. Make a difference through us in the world around us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.